Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. We have been going through our series called God Is, and in this series, we're looking at the truth that if God is love and love is patient, then God is patient. If God is love and love is kind, then God is kind. And so we're taking this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and we're looking at all of these words that describes what love is because that shows us who God is because he is love. It's not that he loves, it's that he is love. And so we're breaking down this verse and we're looking at the truth of who he is and how he loves us in tangible ways in our life. But we're not just stopping there because it's not just about what we can get, right? It's about the fact that we are called to love God and love people. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be patient with people? What does it look like for us to be kind with people? And so we're not only looking at the God side and what he he does, but looking at what we can do in return to be more like Christ. And so today in this series, we're looking at that God is not, God is not easily angered. And whenever we look at this verse and we and we study it, we see that that word angered, there's so much more to it. I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding about what anger is. I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding about um, who is God and with the anger and can he be angry? And does that mean that we can be angry as Christians? And when we begin to look at the word, we see these different things that God says. It never says that we can't be angry, that we can't have that emotion of feeling anger. All it says is that we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger, that we shouldn't sin in our anger, that we should be slow to anger. And and of course, this says that love is not easily angered. So what does that word mean? Whenever we break it down in the Greek, the word there is paroxuzo, and it means irritated, provoked, or roused to anger. So it's not just this um, righteous anger that we know of of God, but it's this irritation. It's like whenever somebody does something and it gets under your skin, somebody does something and you're frustrated, you're annoyed. You're like, oh my gosh, would they just stop? Maybe your kids don't know how to load the dishwasher the right way and you get irritated, you get frustrated. Maybe you've told um, your son or your daughter to clean their room and they never do. And you're starting to let that just, oh, would you guys clean your room and, and you get roused to anger. And so whenever we look at this, we can look at even an example of this. If maybe you're driving down the highway and you're going somewhere and the speed limit's 75 and then somebody comes and they get in front of you and then they begin to slow down and you look around and you can't get out. You, you're stuck behind them, right? You're stuck behind them. And now you're having to go 40 because they're going 40. What do we do? It's like a knee-jerk reaction. We're irritated. We're frustrated. We start to get annoyed. Why? Is there, is there a bigger reason at hand? Is there is there a reason? Is it in love that we care for that person and what they're doing? No, usually it's not. It's because we're annoyed. We're frustrated. We're getting upset about something that's inconveniencing us. And this is what Paul Rooks Suzo is. Now, what it isn't is it isn't righteous anger. So whenever we look at righteous anger, that's the anger that God has. What is righteous anger? What does that look like? How does God show his righteous anger? Well, righteous anger is an anger that is birthed out of a place of seeing an injustice that is done, of seeing a sin that is taking place. And it's not coming from a place of a God that is 
that is lording over and that is looking down on us and shaming us and guilting us and condemning us. It is coming from a place of love because God understands that the wages of sin is death. He understands what sin does. He understands the destructive, the destruction that sin brings. He understands that if we're walking a sinful life, if we're walking in sin, it's going to destroy us from the inside out. He also understands that injustice is something that is done to someone to to oppress them or push them down in injustice. So maybe let me give you an example. An injustice that that I that I have that I see that gives me a righteous anchor is whenever I see people teaching falsely. Whenever I see people out there preaching what they say is the truth of the word of God, but it's not. And in they're they're either going one way or another. There's different false teachings, obviously, but either which way I see it, and I get so angry. And I believe that that is that righteous anger of God. Let's look at an example in the Bible of what righteous anger looks like. Okay, we're going to move, we're going to flip over to John 2. I can find it. Okay, John 2, 13. It says, when it's almost time, here, let me put this up for you guys. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables to those who sold doves. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And I love what Matthew uh, 21, 13 says. He says, you've made this a den of robbers. And so here, a lot of times when we read this verse, we have this picture of Jesus, like angry Jesus that's that's got that uh, paroxuzo um, kind of anger, right? That frustration, that irritation that he comes in in a knee-jerk response. And that's not at all what's happened. What's happened is, is that Jesus sees an injustice being done. See, these people that were selling these animals and the money changers, they were there and they were taking advantage of all of these travelers that were coming in to worship the Lord. These travelers that were coming in to celebrate Passover because they knew that they had to have an animal sacrifice. And so they were upcharging, kind of like when we go to the movie theater and we play pay $500 for a a bucket of popcorn, right? And it's whatever, right? That's the world we live in. But in God's temple and using that to take advantage of people is not okay. And Jesus was not okay with this. So not only were they upcharging the price of these animals, because people didn't want to bring their animal sacrifices all the way from their hometown. They just thought, oh, well, we can buy one when we get there and we'll be good. And they should have been able to do that. But they were upcharging that. And not only that, these money changers were basically upcharging them to be able to exchange their money. So when we go to a foreign country, what do we do? We have to bring our American dollars and we have to change it in for that currency that is used. It was the same back in Jesus's day. And so these people are coming in and they need the right currency and they're needing to exchange their money. And the people that were doing this were taking advantage of these other people because they knew that they had no other way of getting the money and they had no other way of getting their sacrifices, their animal sacrifices. And Jesus saw this and he was like, this is not okay. It's not necessarily that they were selling things in 
the temple. I don't think God cares so much if we're selling things in church. I don't think he cares if we sell our books and whatnot and this and that. But if we are taking advantage of people and we are doing it um, to really um, build our own kingdom, that's not okay. And God's not okay with that. And so Jesus sees this and he comes in and he begins. It doesn't say that he whipped people. Okay, we need to understand that. it doesn't say that he hit people with the whip. He made the whip and he was driving the animals out, right? He was driving the people out. It was like that. Hey, guys, this is not okay. I'm putting my foot down. This is God's righteous anger. This is God's house. And you're using it to take advantage of people. See, God does not like whenever we take advantage of people. That is his heart. He does not like whenever we treat people wrong and we manipulate them into giving them things, giving us things that we want. And especially if we're going to do it in the name of God especially if we're going to do it, um, putting Jesus's name on it. And so Jesus was not okay with this. Now, this is righteous anger. This isn't Paraxuzo. This isn't that he got irritated and, and was looking at himself and, oh, what is this going to, like, is this an inconvenience to me? No, this was that Jesus saw people being hurt and manipulated. And he's like, this isn't okay. And that's a lot of what we see throughout Jesus's life. He calls out the Pharisees for doing the same thing, for oppressing people, for oppressing the wicked and the orphans for pushing people to the margins and saying, hey, we're better than you, right? This is where the righteousness of God comes in and in the righteous anger of God comes in. And it's really cool because I've learned that if I have that anger, that that's actually that righteous anger, that's a piece of God's heart being given to me so that I can do something with it. And usually what happens is if we look at those times in our life, let's say I'll use my sister, for example. I remember one day, we were talking about this and she said, you know, I get so angry at how these children are treated in Africa and they have so little and they're just treated so badly and they have no medical, um, anything medical or, and she was just ranting about this. And I was like, wow, that's crazy because you know what her calling is, is to go to Africa. She's going to school to be a nurse and she wants to go to Africa to do missions work. And so God gives her a piece of his righteous anger to put that burning inside of her, to push her towards what he's calling her to do. So if you have that righteous anger, then I just want to encourage you to look at it and listen to it and don't don't be ashamed of it and don't go and go crazy, right? We, we're not given that so that we can go and sin. We're given that so that we can go maybe and pray or be a part of a ministry that advocates for whoever it is that God has put on your heart, that you're, you're angry at seeing an injustice being done. You're angry at seeing a sin taking place. Maybe you feel called... Um, to uh, recovery because you've had a burning passion because you've constantly see people OD and, and ruin their lives because of drugs or alcohol. Maybe you're being called to work with children that are in the foster care system because you've seen these children that don't have homes and, and you, they don't have parents and they they seem so rejected and, and just misplaced and set aside. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to let that passion drive you into what you're being called to do. So that was just a little side note for that. But I want to get back to this Parik Suzo because this is the point of our message, isn't it? We're talking about how God is not easily angered, how he's not easily irritated, how he's not living in that state of paroxuzo. But see, we do, don't we? We get so agitated. We get so angry. We get so frustrated sometimes. I know with me, it's been, it's been a struggle. And I used to constantly live in paroxuzo. 
Okay, I'm just going to say that flat out. I used to constantly live in that state of being irritated and frustrated and annoyed. It's like every single thing that happened, I just constantly was nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking. And I've come a long way, but there's still times in my life that I struggle with this. And just this morning, I want you to hear this. Just this morning, my husband and I were in a conversation and and he was just asking some questions and I don't I don't think his heart was bad in it. He was just asking me some questions, wanted some advice about things, but I have some convictions that are very strong. And I'm like, I do not sway from those. And, and I took it almost offensively that he was even going there. And so I began to get um, a kind of just that distant, like frustrated. I was beginning to get irritated. I was going to be, I was just beginning to walk in Parak Suzu or Suzo. Honestly. And so, and, but I didn't even realize it because honestly, I'd written this message yesterday and I hadn't even looked up the word. So that's what's funny about it. So, anyway, so we're getting into this discussion. And I was like, I need to go get ready. I need to go work on my message. I need to go get this done so that I can start at one. And so I go upstairs and, and I just had that uh, feeling inside of me. And I was like, man, God, like, I don't understand, like, what is going on? What is going on? And I remember just in that, here's the deal, is that anytime that I'm preaching, anytime that I'm doing a message online or I'm writing or I'm doing anything um, in the works of the ministry, the Lord has made it very clear that my heart has to be right. Not that I can't ever mess up, not that I can't ever sin. I want you to hear that. But my heart has to be right with him and with other people. And so in that moment, God began to teach me about this Paul Suzo. And he began to show me what the deeper meaning of this easily angered word meant. It was just that irritation. It was that frustration. It was that annoyance of somebody is inconveniencing me and it was rousing me to anger. I was starting to get angry. I was starting to get frustrated. And so I want to tell you guys a few things that I did this morning to be able to get from Parak Suru, whatever, Parak Suzo, (laughs) all the way to back having peace in my heart with God. So the first thing I did is I went upstairs and I stopped and I asked the Lord, what is going on? Because I knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something off, but I didn't quite understand what it was. I didn't know what God was trying to show me. And so I just stopped and I was like, Lord, show me, search my heart. That's something I pray a lot. And that's what David prays is God, search my heart. Like, show me if there's anything in my heart that's not right. Show me if I'm holding offense. Show me if I'm holding unforgiveness. Show me what it is. And God is always faithful to show us if we just ask. The second thing is this, is to be willing to forgive. So God began to show me that even though Nathan didn't do something in particular that was his fault, sometimes we hold someone to offense, even though they haven't done anything. So I felt like he had done something to me. So I was not forgiving him for something that I thought he did to me, if that makes sense. It's not that he necessarily did something, but we need to be willing to forgive people, even if they haven't actually done anything. Just be willing to let go of any resentment, any bitterness, whatever it is. Just say, God, I want to forgive this person. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be hateful. I don't want to have this in my heart. I hate when there's that like awkward, just kind of weird vibe in the house, right? Whenever there's something that's just not right, when there's that, um, 
that I don't even know what to call it, but it's just that feeling you get that that you're not meshing, that something's off, and and I just want things to be right, and that's God's heart for us too. And the way that we can have things right is by forgiving people. If we're constantly holding on to things, and we're constantly mad at that driver that cut us off, and we're talking about it all the time, and we're telling our friends about it all the time, and we can't get it off of our mind, then what what good is that going to do? We're going to be miserable the whole day, and we're not going to get anything done. And that's exactly what happened to me. I literally was an hour late onto this because of this. Now the podcast people, you're probably not going to know that you're not going to know that I'm on late because it's done later. But in the beginning of this, this online, the live stream, I told everyone that I was late, that I had a situation and this was the situation. And because of this, I was actually late getting on and I'm never late getting on. I don't like being late. I even doubted if I should even come on, but God was bringing me to that place where I was just like, you know what, God, I am not going to get onto that live stream until my heart is right with you. And my heart is right with my husband. And so I refused to leave my room. I refused to come to the studio. I refused to do anything until my heart was right. We need to learn to forgive people in this instant, which leads us to the third thing, and it's let it go. And again, I just said, we talk about it. We think about it. We like post about it. We're calling our friends about it. it that's not letting it go. You know, that's not letting it go. And so many of us do that. You know, we talk about it 10 years down the road. Oh, I remember this time when so-and-so did this to me. It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. It's time to let go of whatever it is that you're holding on to because that is holding you back. And the enemy is trying to stop you from doing what God is calling you to do. The enemy was literally using this. He was trying to convince me that I couldn't get on here and do what God is calling me to do because of this. That is so stupid. I hate that. I And I'm not calling you guys stupid. I'm saying what the enemy does is so stupid. And it, it just, oh, it just makes me so mad that I fall into that trap sometime. He uses these things to distract us. He uses these things to cause division. He's trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy your friendships. He's trying to destroy your ministry. He's trying to destroy everything that he can. He doesn't want you to move forward and he's going to continue to do it until we all die and go be with Jesus, right? So we just need to learn that it's time to let it go. Stop giving the enemy power by talking about it all day. Stop getting giving the enemy power by holding on to it and being resentful and hateful and, and treating people horrible because of things that they do that half the time they don't even know that they're hurting us in, right? This is what God is calling us to do. And this is how we can walk from Paroxuzo into freedom from Paroxuzo. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you guys today because I know that it's a struggle with me and I've seen that it's a struggle in the church. And I want everybody to walk in the freedom that Jesus has paid for us to have so that we don't have to continue to go down this road every second of our day, right? We are free from this. Jesus already paid for it. Well, all we have to do is be obedient and walk in the freedom that he's paid for us to have. And part of that is the forgiveness. Part of that is the letting go. Part of that is asking God to search our heart. 